Now, we are going to be continuing a series we started last week, actually. We call it the Accepting One Another as God Has Accepted You series. Accept One Another. In Romans 12, 5, Paul states that as members of the body of Christ, believers are members of one another. Today, we want to look at his command in Romans 15, 7, which says that we are to accept one another in order to bring praise to God. We are to accept one another in order to bring praise to God. So here is a practical directive for you. You want to praise God? Then accept each member of the body of Christ as God has accepted you. When you do that, you bring praise to God. When you don't do that, when you, when you refuse to do that, you do not bring praise to him. Paul's message is that in order to glorify God then, as Christians, we must accept all other Christians as brothers and sisters in Christ. Why? Because we are members of the incredible body of Christ. No one is to be excluded. And he says that our model, our pattern, is Jesus Christ himself. We are to accept one another as Christ has accepted us. How many of you would like to be Christ-like? Only one, two, three, four. Hmm. How many of you would like to be Christ-like? Are you afraid to say you want to be Christ-like? Well, here's a practical directive again. If you're prejudiced, you show favoritism for people in the body of Christ, you're not being Christ-like. Simple as that. Christ is an individual who has accepted us just as we are. Isn't that right? Through grace. Didn't demand anything. Just to come as we are. When we do that, we are Christ-like. Paul is very much aware of the fact that in actual practice and attitude, there are members of the body of Christ who do not fully accept one another. And practically speaking, they do not regard other Christians as members of the same family that they are in, as far as their actions and attitudes are concerned. We are in the family of God. All who've accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. But there are people, there are individuals and the me members in the body of Christ who do not accept other members as members of the family of God. As we're going to see in this passage, Paul calls it sin. Alright? He calls it sin. And so, this lack of acceptance of one another has traditionally been demonstrated in three specific areas. First, personal or religious scruples. We talked about that last week where we hold a different position but the scriptures are not quite clear on it. And so, because a person doesn't agree with me, for instance, we talked about dress last time. I wouldn't do that this time because I got in a lot of trouble for that last time. I won't do it this time. But let me get real practical here. Some people say, you drink a cup of wine with your dinner. I don't believe that's Christian. I don't believe that's Christ-like, so I'm not going to come to your home, so I'm not going to fellowship with you. All right? Now, does the Bible tell us anywhere we shouldn't have a cup, of glass of wine for dinner? See that? Now I'm beginning to mash corns. You see what I'm saying? This is what I'm talking about. No, there's no way it tells you that. We have the freedom to do it or the freedom not to do it. You understand what I'm saying? You have the freedom to do it or the freedom not to do it. Now, those who don't have the freedom to do it, many times show prejudice towards those who have freedom to do it. You understand what I'm saying? This is a gray area. Now we could go on talking about, now I'm really going to get in trouble, makeup, 
right or wrong. This is what he's talking about. These kinds of gray areas, religious scruples. And they're people who separate from other members of the family of God. Because some people wear earrings or wear lipstick. Do you think Jesus Christ rejects those people because they wear earrings? The Bible says we'd accept one another, especially in the area of gray matters, the way Christ has accepted us. We talked about that last week. Got in a lot of trouble for it, but we talked about it last week. Another area is social partiality. We're going to be talking about that today. We're talking about how people are accepted because of their economic stratus, uh, status, where they are economically and so on. Yeah, the Bible talks about these things. You know that? It doesn't only talk about you're a sinner and you're going to hell and everything else, but it talks about things like this so that we might live Christ-like, not the way we want to, you see. He talks about social partiality. We'll be dealing with that today. The other area is ra racial prejudice. And Paul deals with all of these things. That means, therefore, because it's in the Word of God, we should preach it. Right or wrong? Right or wrong? Right. right. It's there in the Word for us to learn so that we could become more Christ-like. But these are some areas people don't like to talk about. Why? Because we're guilty. You see? And we don't like to talk about it. Well, I'm getting old now. I've learned how to take the licks. These problems go all the, back, all the way back to the beginning of the church. And so the command in Romans 15.7 provides... The true disciple with the correct biblical basis and motivation for the prevention and correction of being unchristlike towards our brothers and sisters in Christ. And one of my goals, one of my desires here as a pastor is to lead us on to Christlikeness. That's our objective here. We're not here to see how many people could come to Calvary Bible Church. We're here to see how many people could be led to Christlikeness, to be like Him, you see. And these things are necessary because we act so unchrist-like toward other members of the body of Christ. And the amazing thing is we feel good about doing it. We feel good about doing it. That's why we have these little cliques here all over the place because these little people over here think the way I think, not the way they think. And so I can stay over here with the way these people think. That's why you come to all of these meetings. You see us saving all kinds of chairs and seats for people like us. We don't, want other we don't want other members of the body of Christ to come down to sit with us. No, I want other friends just like me to sit at my table. So in today's message, we're going to look at the area of social partiality as discussed by the apostle in Romans 12, 16 and James chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. Here is the issue. The issue is the believer's attitude toward members of the body who are on a lower economic level than they are. The fact that the apostles, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes about this shows that it has always been a problem with the people of God. What's an amazing thing to me? The apostle Paul writes about it. So it means that it's always been present in the church. You see, but he's writing now to correct that situation. And so this problem, even among the people of God, is that well-off believers might not readily accept or fellowship with believers on a lower social or economic level. To put it bluntly, some rich and affluent Christians might opt not to associate with those who are poor or economically underprivileged. That's what Paul is talking about. Does it make you feel uncomfortable? Good. Because that's the area we need to be corrected in. 
And that's what the Word of God is talking about in these passages. Paul gives us a solution to this problem in Romans 12, 16 and James chapter 2, verse 1. He first gives the statement of the solution as far as the attitude is concerned in Romans 12, 16. Listen very carefully now. If you have your Bibles, I know it's on the screen, but you could follow along. It says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. That's the word of God. Then he says in James chapter 2, verse 1, My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, do not show favoritism. That's the Bible. That's the word of God. I want you to notice now, there are three sinful attitudes that are underscored in these verses. First, pride, conceit, and favoritism. Those are the three sins that are underlined in these verses. These are the attitudes and actions, behavior, that separate believers from one another and cause them not to accept one another as Christ has accepted them and therefore they're sinning in their lives and they never ask confession for it. And when we fail to ask confession for sin, we could come before the Lord's table, we could give all the money, we could do all the service, we could have 30 years of service and a warner. But if we've shown prejudice and favoritism toward other members of the body of Christ, it's all down the road. If you don't confess it as sin and turn away from it. That's what it means to be Christ-like. Discrimination is based on how a person dresses and the kind of fancy and, and expensive jewelry that he wears. This is what Paul is talking about because that was the problem in his day. Now, our day might be something else, but back then, that was the source of the problem. James says that deliberately treating a well and expensively dressed person who comes into a service better than the poorly or less expensively dressed one is sin. Isn't that amazing? You say, we don't do that. Don't you? No, let me take that back. Don't we? Who do we tend to give the best seats to in church? In church events. The people who look nice, like me. <laughs> and Brad. You see Brad? Man, Brad reminded me when I was 18 years old. I used to like to have this uh, charcoal gray suit and pink tie and pink shirt. That's what he brought back there. But that's true. Isn't that true? I mean, you just stand. You let somebody else come in here who is not dressed good. It might even smell a little funny. We say, what? Stay outside. Or don't come in. True or false? That's right. Paul calls that what? Well, we don't like that word, do we? Paul calls it sin. And sin separates us from God. The fellowship with God is broken. No matter what our intentions are. No matter how sincere we might be. But if we do not confess it as sin and stop it, we do not have fellowship with God. Paul is telling us that we have no valid justification whatsoever to treat another believer in a different manner than he or she is treated by Jesus Christ himself. The bottom line is this, practically speaking. If we were to treat, well, let me put this other way. If Jesus was to treat us the way we treat others, would we be accepted by Jesus? That's what he's talking about. You see, Christ did not discriminate based on wealth or position. In fact, we can be looking at a passage very soon. He would say that Jesus did almost the, other op the opposite. He didn't do it, neither should we, who claim to be members of the incredible body of Christ. Beloved, listen to this carefully. If you are a believer in Christ, we are all equal before God. 
We are all one. We are members of the same body. You think I'm going to put my arm and I need my coat sometime and say, I don't want to see you because you got, you're ugly? Or because you're shorter or longer than this arm or here, so I'm going to walk around, I'm not going to use you? That's how we treat members of the body of Christ. Members of the body of Christ. Put them aside as though they're not significant. They're not important. But a, each individual member of the body of Christ is important. To Christ and to us. That's the point he's making here. So I want you to truthfully and ask yourself this question. Does this kind of discrimination and favoritism happen in our church? Or in our homes? Or in our parties? In our social gatherings? And even more specifically, do you do any of these things that Paul and, and James are talking about here? Do you? Your answer and mine will determine to a large extent whether you and I as Christians are being Christ-like in our lives and whether or not we are accepting one another as Jesus himself has accepted us. But secondly, James says such an attitude disregards God's personal choice and acceptance of believers. It disregards God's personal choice and acceptance of believers. Listen to this in verse 5. Listen, my dear brothers. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith? This is where that chorus we sing. Let the poor say I am rich. This is where it comes from. Not rich in wealth, but rich in grace. Favor of God. Listen, my dear brothers. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have insulted the poor. Now in context it means that you've insulted me because you've insulted the poor. Why? Because I've accepted them and you've rejected them. Strong words say. See, James doesn't fool around, you know. Paul doesn't. Some of us as preachers do, but the word doesn't. James is saying that if we reject others on the basis of the economic status, then we would be rejecting the majority of those whom God has chosen. Because believe it or not, the majority of people in the body of Christ are poor people. That's true. Now, living in the Bahamas, you might not believe that. But go elsewhere, you'll see that. And it's in keeping with the word of God. Listen to how Paul states this truth in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Notice what he says, beginning at verse 26. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. In other words, we were dumb. We were ignorant. Compared to those who got all kinds of degrees. And many were influential. And not many were of noble birth. How many of you were born to kings or princes naturally here? Some of you might have been born with a silver spoon in your mouth, but, you know, different here. Notice now, but God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. That's it. God doesn't want us to boast in anything, even the money, the wealth that he has given us. You say, I don't boast in my wealth. Well, do you accept those of lower economic status as friends? Do you have them eat at your table? Brothers and sisters in Christ? You know, do you tend to shun away from them. That's the context here. You see, that's the context here. And these inspired writers are saying that if we do that, it's sin. Pure and simple. Prejudicial and preferential treatment of other believers on the basis of economic status is a deliberate and definite attack against the wisdom and grace of God. 
That's a good statement. Let me read that again. Prejudicial or preferential treatment of others on the basis of economic status is a deliberate and definite attack against the wisdom and grace of God. Why is that true? Because in the passage it says it was through his wisdom and his grace that he chose the poor folk. When we reject him and despise them, we're saying God is not wise and God is not gracious. It's a slap in the face of God. It is sin. When a powerful and this is a powerful indictment against believers who refuse to accept all believers as Christ has received and accepted them. But third, James also says that such an attitude favors those who oppose God and oppose believers in Christ. This is what he says in verse 6. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name of him to whom you belong? Now, of course, take this in the context, in the historical context as well. This is a general statement and must not be taken outside of the original historical context. Not all affluent people treat others this way. In fact, we have people who have been blessed by God and they use their funds, their money, God's money, in order to help others. And they do it freely and deliberately. But there are others who hoard what God has given to them by not helping the poor. That's what he's talking about here. Not all affluent people treat others this way. But James is making a universal principle statement here nonetheless. He's saying to the Christians, don't you realize that the very ones you treat so preferentially are more often than not the very ones who usually treat you just opposite, the ones who normally oppress you. And in fact, they're the ones who profane the name of Jesus Christ, the ones you heap up so much praise on and favoritism for. Now you say, no, we don't do that. We don't do that. Well, what happens if a member of parliament comes down here, what happens? People probably come in the front seat here, move it away. Get out of the way. He's got to sit here. Go park his car for him. Although he came late. You understand what I'm saying? This is what he's talking about. And normally, who is it that causes problems? Those same people. Why are we doing it? Why are we doing it? It's prejudice. You see, if we're doing it, try to make a point. Maybe he'll help me get something later on. Paul calls it sin. James calls it sin. Fourth, James says that favoritism, partiality, and prejudice among believers disregard the royal law given by Christ. Listen to what he says in verse 8. If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing what? You're doing right. You're being Christ-like. In context. In other words, if we follow the law of love, we will not show partiality. We will not show favoritism. We will not show prejudice among and toward other believers. And in fact, we won't show it towards anyone at all, but especially toward believers. Why? Because when we do so, we are not being Christ-like. Clear and simple. The outworking of the royal law of love is to accept everyone as Christ has accepted us. Don't be prejudiced. Don't be partial. Don't show favoritism. If we do, we are not operating out of love, but of selfishness. But fifth, 
James states plainly that such an action or behavior on the part of professing believers is outright sin. Listen to verse 9. But if you show favoritism, you sin. Who said that? I didn't write this last night. This was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Holy men, as they were moved along by the Holy Spirit, wrote this. What does he say about prejudice? What does he say about favoritism and partiality among believers? He says, if you show favoritism, you sin. And you are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. Lawbreakers. That's right. In other words, James is saying... And I believe that James was the half-brother of Jesus. This is the one who's talking about here. And this is where he's learning his lesson from, by the way. If you study the book of James, you'll see that a lot of the truths that James brings out is the teaching of Jesus Christ. But James is a real interfaith sort of a guy. He wasn't like me. Nice. Don't confront anybody. Nothing like that. Not James. James looked right in the eye. You were sinning when you died. You're wrong. You're breaking the law. Get right, man. That's how, that's sin, that's James. This is sin. You're a lawbreaker. Listen, you're not being too nice, you know. You shouldn't be like that. Mm -mm. That's sin. It means it has to do with, with a relationship between you and God. Not just you and me, but you and God. You are make, given an affront to God. That's what he's saying here. These are strong warnings for the believer, my friends. God is immensely very much concerned with how we relate to other believers, all believers. He desires, in fact, he commands that we treat one another equally and without partiality or favoritism for any reason whatsoever. He wants us to accept one another as believers the way Christ has accepted us, without reservation and completely based on the grace of God. That's how we've been accepted by Christ. That's how we are to accept one another. That's the message that he's bringing to us from this passage. So my prayer is that we might realize that we are equal members in and of the incredible body of Christ. And beloved, it is. The body of Christ is an incredible body. The other day, I went into this office. A young lady looked at me, beautiful young lady. Now, this could be true or not, all right? She looked at me. She said, boy... He says, Pastor Alan, I love your body. I started to blush. I say, you really? He said, yeah. So your people are so wonderful and loving. <laughs> she was talking about the body of Christ. Not this one. <laughs> Is it? And so he wants us, Paul and James, the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, God the Father, wants us as equal members in this incredible body of Christ to take heed to these warnings to avoid the sins of pride, conceit, and favoritism by willingly, gladly, and lovingly accepting one another even as Christ accepted us to the glory of God. That's how we can do it. And so, let me close with this very simple application. Number one, think of one person. Well, some of you might have to think of a, a group of persons. But think of one person against whom you have broken the royal law of love. Whom have you shown favoritism? Whom have you excluded out of your group, your fellowship, because you just don't think the way they think or because they're not on the same social strata as you? Think of that person now and then confess your sin. First to God and to that person. Ask forgiveness. And we have that wonderful promise that if we confess our sins, he's what? Faithful and just to forgive us 
and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Listen to this, friends. I don't care how you walked in here this morning. There's no reason for you to go out the same way. No matter how far you've been away from God, you can come near to him right now if you just confess and accept and receive his forgiveness. You say, but Pastor Lee, you don't know, man. I've been like this so long, you know. I've, yeah, I've made a profession. Yeah, I, I've been doing this. But, you know, I've, I love the lifestyle. I love the good life and everything. Do you know what? You come to him right now and you confess it. Guess what? He'll accept you. He ain't going to reject you. No, man, you've been too long. I've been coming after you. Would you always reject? No, 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 no. No, if you come to him right now today, I don't care how long it's been or what you've been doing. If you confess, he'll forgive. He'll accept you. Isn't that wonderful? That's what he'll do. But you see, we need to confess to one another as well when we've sinned against another person. You see? So you need to think of that person or persons. Ask God to forgive you, and then you go and do the same thing to the person. And then you repent. Change your mind, your way of thinking, and your behavior. Some people say, man... And we're going to talk about this when we talk about racial prejudice. I've been brought up that way. That's what my family brought, up, brought me up, not to associate with these folks. Well, it's time to change if you believe it. You understand what I'm saying? Just because you're brought up that way don't mean it's right, you see. Repent, change your way of thinking, and then change your behavior. When you do that and you reach out and accept all the way Jesus Christ has accepted you, you bring glory to God. That's his command for us today. My question to you is, are you going to obey? If you don't, it means that you continue on in your sin. And I trust that you won't do so. As always, power and word of prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Sometimes your word hurts. Sometimes it comforts. And Father, as we think of that now, we thank of the Cartwright family. And we thank you for your words that bring comfort to those who have lost ones who have accepted Christ as Savior. We know that we have a blessed hope. We will see them again, and they will be changed and transformed, and we'll meet them in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. These are words of comfort. But Lord, sometimes you give us words of challenge and correction, as you've done today. Thank you, though, for your grace. It tells us that if we confess our sins, that you're faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us completely from all our sin. Thank you for being such a gracious God. We pray that if there's anyone here who has not yet accepted Christ, Lord, that today they might acknowledge that they are sinners before God, that their sin deserves separation from God because the wages of sin is death. But may they acknowledge also that because of your love for them, you sent your Son who died in their place. He took the penalty for their sin. And then you raised him from the dead to validate the fact that you had accepted his death on their behalf. Lord, we pray that this that person who walked in here without Christ and acknowledge these things today and just say to him, God, I'm resting my faith, my salvation, the basis for my relationship with you upon the person and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Father, there's someone, some ones who've been running far away from you, distant, perhaps close to you in the past, perhaps even walking and serving you, but now for reasons, whatever they may be, they're not as close as they used to be. Father, speak to that individual in love and grace as you always do. And by your Holy Spirit, break down all the resistance and may that person confess, acknowledge, and be restored to fellowship with you. Thank you for the assurance that you will accept them just as they are. You're a good God, and we praise you for it today.
And all of God's people said, Amen.